0: The words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbour as yourself. Well-known verses. Probably so well-known that most of us didn't listen that hard because we know it so well and lines that we don't think about too often because they are so well known. And they, well, they just seem to make sense, don't they? And because they are so well known and because we don't think about them too often, we miss just how radical these two sayings are. Some would suggest that these two verses... Are the heart of Jesus' yoke, Jesus' understanding of the Torah, the law of Moses. If you want to know what Jesus was on about, this is it right here in these two lines. Two lines that encapsulates everything that He was talking about, and two lines that really encapsulated why he kept getting into trouble. Two radical lines. But because they're so familiar to us, two lines that just, well, they don't seem that radical, that in your face. So what would make these two things radical? Well, the first commandment and the greatest commandment, and really the the commandment that everyone thought the most about, was the first part. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your strength and all your mind. That was the one that people spent the most time thinking about. How do you love God? And those people who were asking Jesus the questions, if you asked them, how do you love God? Their answer would have been by obeying the law of Moses, the Torah. So the Torah wasn't a way of earning God's love, of earning God's of being able to be enter into God's community, the Torah was a response to what God had already done. And what had God done? God had called them, those people, His people, and God had given them the land to live in. So the Torah was their response to what God had done. And for those who lived in Jerusalem. The most important part of the Torah was the stuff around the temple, the temple rites, the rituals, and the sacrifices, and being obedient to those, and adhering to those, and making sure that those were practiced properly. And for those who lived outside of Jerusalem, and so that was mostly the chief priests, the priestly caste, the Levites, all those who lived in Jerusalem, that was... That was their focus for the the Torah. But for the Pharisees, most of whom who lived outside of Jerusalem, and some of whom lived in quite large distances from Jerusalem, the rest of the law of Moses was all important. The daily living out of the Torah was how you loved God. And loving God was, was what it was all about, and it was up here. And loving your neighbour was kind of down here somewhere, kind of mixed up in the daily living of the Torah, but certainly not elevated, not something you thought about very often. And so the first radical feature of what Jesus says is, sure, you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind, but he raises up love your neighbour as yourself to be equal to it. The hierarchy is broken. No longer down here, loving God up here, loving neighbour down here. The two are brought together side by side. Love God, love neighbour. Equal. Side by side. Of course, the big question then was, who is your neighbour? But that's a completely different topic. There are some people, however, who suggest that Jesus went even further than this. In this statement... In fact, we don't have two statements, love God, love neighbour. We have one statement, love God by loving neighbour. In effect, what Jesus was saying is, all the stuff about the Torah, drop it. You love God by loving your neighbour as yourself. And the Torah becomes the way that you are shaped to be a people who loves God by loving your neighbour. You don't lose the Torah. The Torah, the law of Moses, the prophets is still important, still needs to be adhered to, but it needs to be read in the light of loving God by loving neighbour as yourself. It becomes the means that we are reminded that that is what we are to do. It becomes the means by, as you seek to live out the Torah day by day, you are shaped to become a people who just do that. Not because you think about it and think it's what you should do, but you just do that because that's the kind of person you are. You are sandpapered to become that kind of person through obedience to the Torah. So Jesus was speaking to a group of people who thought that loving God was through obedience to the Torah and loving neighbor was kind of involved in that but it was down the pecking order of importance. And at the very least Jesus says loving your neighbor is of equal importance to loving God and there are some who suggest that Jesus said you love God by loving your neighbor. And everything else we do should be things that remind us that's how we should live and help shape us to be that's how we live. So I wonder then how we see these two things. Do we hold them side by side of equal importance? And Do we actually love God by loving our neighbour? Or do we hold these two statements as separate statements? And do we insert other things in there? Certainly for the early church, we can say that they lived out loving God by loving neighbour. And we can see that in both parts of the early church. If we look at the Jerusalem church, which was led by James the Just, Jesus' brother who was a devout Jew. They operated in the temple precepts. They took part in the temple worship. They were renowned for being devout, law-abiding Jews. The thing that got them into trouble was they spent so much time with the people on the edge. They were the voice for the people on the edge. They loved God by loving their neighbours, and their neighbours were all those that everyone else looked down on, thought were irrelevant, even despised. In the end, that's what led to James's death. And then we look elsewhere in the Gentile world, and again, they didn't obey the Torah. Paul managed to wiggle that one out of that Jerusalem church, permission for them not to obey the Torah, and they were renowned for their work amongst the poor, the slaves. The dispossessed, everyone that everyone else who was someone in society looked down on, despised, thought were irrelevant. And in the end, that's what got them into trouble. That's why they were persecuted, because they kept working amongst people that everyone else thought were irrelevant. Over the centuries, however, we have separated out those two statements and we've inserted a whole lot of other things in there. Things like where you should go to church. You should love God by going to church. You should love God by believing the right statements. You should love God by giving to the church. You should love God by giving alms. And once Constantine, Constantine came and the church became an arm of the state, which it has been from the 300s through to about now, you love God by being a good, loyal citizen. And there are still countries around the world where that is taught. America, for example. Where those two statements are pulled apart and a whole lot of other things are inserted in there. You love God by... And the loving the neighbour at its best is held equal, but is dropped often down the list of priorities to somewhere else in there. Today in many churches reformed churches around the world it is Reformation Sunday. Now the only reason I know that is because the Lutheran Church here in Tauranga has closed they became too old and too small and several of them have come here to St George's And they asked if we could at least mention that today is Reformation Sunday. So I had to look it up. I'd never heard of it. What is this Reformation Sunday? And it's celebrated now because on the 31st of October, 1517, a little non-obscure Augustinian monk called Martin Luther, who had been reading Romans nailed 95 theses to the door of castle church in wittenberg in germany it wasn't an act that was supposed to spark much he was just kind of asking some questions about roman catholic doctrine teaching and practice but this time his questions stuck and it kind of set in place a huge movement that changed the religious and social and political landscape of Europe, and we still feel the repercussions of that today. It led to example for uh, services and Bibles, to services to be conducted in the common language of the people, rather than in Latin, as had become the custom, and it became, uh, we now have Bibles written in language that we can understand because of those 95 theses it became important that people could actually hear and read the Bible in their own language rather than in the Latin which it had been in the western church read up to that point Uh, in Germany it had a profound effect Luther's translation of the Bible there were a whole lot of German dialects across all the German states amongst the German peoples And his Bible acted as a unifier. His Bible meant that one German became common. His German. The German in his Bible. And that had a direct link to the creation of modern Germany in the 1800s. And today we have reformed churches around the world... The one that we know the best is the Presbyterian Church, formed by the first Anglican vicar of Geneva, John Knox. I don't know if any of you knew that he was an Anglican. I was a little surprised when I was in Geneva to see an Anglican church there. I was there on a Sunday and people were coming out of church and I went, well, I don't know what kind of church that'll be, but I know it won't be an Anglican church. And I crossed the road and went, well, blow me down. It is an Anglican church and it's been here since the 1500s. So was one of the centres of the Reformation. So today we give thanks for people like Martin Luther and John Calvin and even John Knox and Martin Zwingli and all those other reformers and within our own tradition, people like Thomas Cramner and Nicholas Ridley and uh, the other one, who's uh, Latimer, uh, who uh, were burnt at the stake. For their work in reforming the Church of England. we are part of that story, and being part of that story invites us to think about how we have slipped back into bad habits, bad practices, and invites us to again to think about this passage that we heard this morning—the kernel of Jesus' yoke: to love God with all our heart and mind and soul. By loving our neighbour. Do we hold those two equal? Do we hold them together? What have we allowed to get in between those two statements? How have we allowed those two statements to be, one to be more important than the other? We need to make the statement a lot less familiar and to contemplate it again. How are we invited to love God with all our heart and mind and strength, by loving our neighbour, with all our heart and soul and strength. Invite us to spend a moment thinking about that. Then Marianne will leave us. To pray.